Back when we lived in Jacksonville, Texas, there was a young Chinese-Malaysian uh, college student that adopted us as his stateside family, and we adopted him as our uh, Malaysian college student son. And uh, his name, I'll just, we'll just call him David. His first name was David. And uh, he was really interested in learning American ways. David was, we were driving along one day, and David had been observing driving and how people drove in America. And he was checking out and figuring out the light, the stoplights. And so he said, okay, red light means stop. Green light means go. Yellow light means go very, very fast. <laughs> that's what he observed. And he just from looking at what he saw, that's what he thought those lights meant. Well, he also observed some other things. And sometimes, you know, hearing from people from another culture and another, another world, uh, it's as enlightening to you and as convicting to you as having a three-year-old in your house. And uh, right now we have a, you know, a little Isaiah just turned three. And so he learns about new things and he draws his conclusions every day. And sometimes his conclusions can be pretty interesting. And he's usually right. But it may not be what you thought. And so uh, back to David. David's great frustration and his great concern was he could not tell the Christians from the non-Christians in our country. He was going to a, uh, a, a church school and the people that were going to that, uh, that college uh, claimed to be, uh, a, uh, be Christians. And there was the name of the denomination in the name of the school. I'm trying not to name names. But the thing is that the students there didn't act like Christians that he knew back home. And that troubled him. And then he noticed the Christians around town. You just couldn't tell the Christians from the non-Christians anywhere he went. And he said, in, in my country, Christians stand out. You can tell them from other people by the way they live their lives. They are holy people. They live holy lives. And here, People don't. And it grieved him. It troubled him. And uh, tried to explain to him that there was such a thing as a cultural Christian. Those people who have been brought up in religion, but not in a real relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ like he experienced and those around him uh, lived and experienced in the country where he came from. The difference really was the fact that over where he was, Christians walked in the spirit. 
Paul admonishes us in this passage that we uh, have read last Sunday and again this Sunday in uh, his epistle to the Galatians. He says at the beginning in verse 16, but I say, walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. That's pretty cut and dried. Walk by the spirit and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. He's saying, as long as you're walking in the spirit, you're not going to carry out the desire of the flesh. And in his conclusion, he says, if we live by the spirit, let us also walk by the spirit. So we who have been called to be uh, followers of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, and are supposed to be walking in the spirit. And whenever we do, it says we will not carry out the desires of the flesh. And he goes on and he enumerates those. And we went through them last week. I want to go through, refresh your memory. Some of you weren't here last week. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmities, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these. And in another list over in uh, 1 Corinthians, I believe, he elaborates on this list a little bit more. And then he goes on and says, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Well, today I want us to be aware that it's very important that if we live by the Spirit, we should also be walking in the Spirit. That uh, uh, the thing is, is that you come to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior by first of all, as we've talked about before, acknowledging that you have fallen short, that you've sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and you cannot save yourself, and that you need a Savior, and that as long as you are living in sin or living with the stain of sin without the Savior, then you're barred from heaven. And so uh, it's very important that we, first of all, or as Jesus told us, born again. He's the one that told us you must be born again. The reason why is that whenever he told Adam and Eve, if you eat from this tree, you will surely die. They did it. And it was not an apple, people. It was not an apple. It was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, not an apple. So you're not sinning when you eat an apple. So uh, just want you to know that it's okay to eat apples. Uh, there was one tree. There were actually there were two trees in the garden. I don't know if you've ever noticed that. There were two trees in the garden that are mentioned. One was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The other was the tree of eternal life. 
They were prohibited from eating from the tree of eternal life. And yet when he said, don't eat from this one, which one? They had a choice. Which tree? They chose the wrong tree. And in the moment they did, a perfect world, a world that lined up with God's will, all of a sudden was not perfect anymore. It was imperfect. And death, destruction, storms, floods, all these things that cause calamity and trouble today started at that point when imperfection entered the world like a virus and has been spreading and getting worse ever since. So that we see today violence increasing and increasing so that we see uh, more and more floods and bad things happening. We brought it on ourselves, folk, but one of these days, the Lord is going to make it right. One of these days, he's going to come back and he's going to straighten everything out. The only reason why he holds back is because it says, Peter tells us, he wants as many as possible to come to know him, to come to repentance and to receive the forgiveness that's offered through the cross so that they can be with him in heaven. That it's his patience and his long suffering, it says, that's the only thing that holds him back. Whenever you say, why doesn't God come back and fix this? It's because someone that you know and love, he wants to be in heaven with you just as much as he wants you to be with him. He wants us all there. And so he holds off. But we are going to miss a point of diminishing marginal return, to use an economic term there, to where the pain and suffering that we're inflicting on each other and where the uh, uh, just the badness that's coming is going to outweigh any further goodness that can be realized by waiting and that's when he's going to return with a shout. I often think that shout is going to be enough, enough. So we live in this in-between time, born again, connected with God in a very special way through the presence of his Holy Spirit indwelling us and quickening us and giving us a new life. And we are called to walk to live in that life. And this word walk also means to follow. We're supposed to be following the leading of the Holy Spirit, following the Spirit of Christ, he is sometimes called, on a daily basis. And as we follow him, as we saw last week, fruit will come forth. Our lives will be transformed. He will do the transforming. He will do the changing as we walk lovingly with him, desiring to please him, not other people, even if it's your mom and dad. You should be wanting to please him more than you please anybody else in this world. And whenever you walk that way, you're going to look different. 
you're not going to be living out of this first list. You're going to be uh, living contrary to this list. Now, it may take a while for all these things to manifest themselves in your life. But when it, the thing is, and I'll, I'm just going to skip over a bunch of stuff and I'll cover some of it again next week. But you see, in our denomination, uh, we have African United Methodists at this last general conference we saw. We have African United Methodists who are appalled at their United States counterparts because their United States counterparts are wanting to take this list and selecting specific uh, works of the flesh or deeds of the flesh and lift them up and say that they are okay. And I'll just go ahead and, and, and name them. The two are, first of all, well, let's see, homosexuality. That's number one. Now, I'm probably going to wind up with oh, rainbow ribbons burning in my uh, in my yard for saying this, because this is going to go out on the Internet. But let's face it. We are in the process of moving further and further away from the Lord as we continue down the track that we've been on. Our current uh, statement on homosexuality, immorality, marriage, things of that nature, all this sexual stuff, and I'll just leave it at that. Our current stance is that homosexuals are people of worth who are due the ministry of the church. And then it goes on and it says that there, that a self-avowed practicing homosexual is not to be ordained in our denomination and we are not supposed to be performing same-sex marriages. And we can be uh, brought to trial if we do so. And uh, so uh, anyway, that's, 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 that's one of the things that's there. And there's been a push for over 40 years to take those words out of our uh, thing. And there have been people that have been disobeying the discipline and trying to uh, and, and actually breaking our church law by even performing same sex marriages. And uh, that's why there was this big hoopla at our last general conference. Well, you see, the difference is this. It comes down to this area right here. Are we walking? Are we are we walking in the spirit, or are we petting and loving the works of the flesh? There's another place where Paul lists a bunch of the works of the flesh and the practices, practicers, practitioners of them, and he says, "And such were some of you." Let's face it. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And those who practice homosexuality are just as do the ministry of the church as liars, as murderers, as people that lose their temper and fuss at other people all the time. They are due the ministry of the church and we're supposed to love them. But just like we wouldn't say that all these other things are right and condone them, 
So it is with this one particular area that they are trying to get changed. Our African brothers and sisters are appalled that we are wanting to take what is unholy and ungodly and what is told, uh, uh, what we're told in the Old Testament, it's referred to as an abomination. They're wanting to take that and have the church say, it's now holy. It's now sanctified. By performing marriages, that is asking God's blessing on what he has said is an abomination. That's just contrary to everything that the Holy Spirit would be leading us into. He'd be leading us into loving these folks and to doing everything we can to make sure that they will not uh, uh, wind up uh, not being with us in heaven. That's uh, we were supposed to be loving everybody, no matter what. But it's not loving to tell someone who is clinging to sin and hanging on to it and saying this and, and, and telling them, oh, that's all right. God made you that way. Would you tell a liar? Oh, that's all right. God made you a liar. So you just lie. Go into politics, you know. Uh, no, the thing is, is that we don't condone lying. And there are a lot of other things that we don't condone. We don't condone murder. We don't condone it. It's not that we're not supposed to uh, love murderers and that we're not supposed to try to win them to the Lord. But we're not going to say that it's okay. And yet here we are trying to take something that is unholy and ungodly and that God has said very clearly in both Testaments, it's not to be tolerated in the kingdom of God. It will not be allowed into the kingdom of God. We're coming really close, I think, to the abomination of abominations or the abomination of desolation whenever we have or are wanting to bring people to the altar and bless a same-sex union. Well, that is contrary to our law right now. And uh, so, but this, see, that's just it. Do we, now the, let me go ahead and say this. There's only one place that ungodliness and unholiness are made except, or those that are ungodly and unholy are made acceptable to God. And that is at the cross. That is at the cross. And until we come to the cross and are purged and cleansed of our sin and intend to lead a new life, not following our old ways, but his ways, we are not going to wind up uh, being uh, holy and clean people. And we have been called to walk in the spirit. He says, if you walk in the spirit, you're not going to carry out the desire of the flesh. What we've done here in the United States is we have replaced our Heavenly Father with feelings and the flesh. We have, 
And then people keep trying to replace Jesus with justice. And they keep trying to replace a real relationship with God through Jesus Christ with just an empty form of religion. This is one of Satan's biggest ploys is to get us to cast out the son from the vineyard. You know the parable where he throws the son out of the vineyard and, uh, and or whenever the, the vineyard the husband would throw the son out of the vineyard, say, we'll take the vineyard to ourselves. And he said, what will happen? So the owner of that vineyard is going to come and he, there's going to be a reckoning with those people. And they killed his son. I did a, uh, a paper on that one time in seminary and called attention to the fact that those denominations that lifted up Jesus Christ were growing. Whereas those denominations that were trying to throw him out were dying. Well, I had a New Testament prof that whenever he read that in my paper, and let's face it, it's true. It's true. Our denomination here in the United States is losing 50,000 members a year where we're trying to uh, embrace the deeds of the flesh. Our denomination in Africa is growing by 200,000 per year where they walk in the spirit and don't fulfill the desires of the flesh. And they are saying, no, we can't do that. Well, you see, whenever you cast the son out, he takes the kingdom away from you as a denomination even. And so that's what's happening now. So uh, anyway, it's statistically proven. You know, here's one place where the, where the Bible is proven in numbers. And uh, anyway, I, said, I, I pointed this out in this paper and my paper dripped red ink from that point on. <laughs> what? Ah, he just went crazy on my paper. And uh, so he said, well, what about the death of the church uh, theology that the church is going to have to lose its life before it can save it and yada, yada, yada. And he went on and on. And then he caught me running across the campus in a rain. Went to, I want to talk to you about your paper. I thought, oh, man. And so uh, I went in to talk to him about it. And uh, it turns out that all that this professor could see in the, in, in the New Testament was desegregation. And he said, I would venture to say that none of these churches that you're talking about have any people of any other color in them except for white people. And I had to say, oh no, Dr. So-and-so, it's just the opposite. In those churches, the ones I'm talking about, it's like a rainbow. They're, they're, they're people pay no attention to the color of skin. They're there worshiping the Lord together. And they're in unity. And everything is cool. You'd love that sort of church, Dr. So-and-so. He said, I think I would. <laughs> where, where are these kind of churches? And so I gave him names of a few around the Dallas area. He went and visited them. And this, well, anyway, he became a charismatic. Uh, he changed his whole way of thinking. And he began walking in the spirit, you see, because he found 
that what he was really looking for was found in a real relationship with God. That the Bible wasn't just all about politics and rules and things like that. It was about walking daily with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When he discovered that, it transformed his life. And let's face it, in the United States, many of us have been inoculated against the gospel. You know, when you you give somebody a vaccine, you give them just a little bit of the real thing, and that little bit of the real thing keeps them from getting a whole full-blown case of whatever it is that you're being vaccinated against. I'm afraid that here in our country, many, many people have gotten just enough of the gospel to be vaccinated against getting the full thing. And so what do we do? Thank the Lord that the Holy Spirit is a supernatural being that makes a difference in this world. So uh, anyway, there's so many people that are missing out on the joy of their salvation or missing out on just all the benefits of the kingdom of God because they haven't started walking in the spirit. I was, uh, I think I've, I've shared with some of you about this Iranian couple that, that came to see us and they, they came to know Jesus as Lord and Savior because she couldn't have a child. And this, uh, they've been trying for six years. And so this Christian friend of hers said, well, let me pray for you. And this Muslim lady in desperation said, okay. Her friend prayed for her. Three months later, she finds out she's three months pregnant. That got her attention. And then she began checking into this Christianity stuff. And she met a Lord who was loving and who loved her instead of hating her. And anyway, and her husband came to know him as well. And then they had to leave the country because they would have been either thrown into prison or put to death if they'd stayed in their own country. They're separated from family and friends, but she has a calm, she says. She has a peace because she's come to know the real God and to walk with him. And she says, the God I was serving was mean. This God is wonderful. There's another couple in, in, from Iran in uh, Marshall, Texas, that their uh, son started attending the uh, MYF group there at, the, at one of my former churches in Marshall. And the pastor was saying that the parents decided they would come and check this stuff out because he was saying such good things about the church. And they wound up receiving Jesus Christ as their Lord and their Savior. And they, they were just overwhelmed by the loving kindness of God. And they're sharing, they're just on fire for the Lord and wanting to share what people are missing out on so much and the pastor there finds it kind of a problem to kind of keep them, you know, in line a bit there, you know. But the thing is, 
You know, they said that if you if there are two people that you always that you want to always just lock away for about six weeks, and that is somebody that just quit smoking, and then somebody that just came was just born again. Though those are two people that you just can't let loose on the world because they're just so happy about things. Anyway, uh, the thing is, they, you miss out on so much. And what David Wong was missing in Christians here was, among other things, joy. Let's face it. There aren't a whole lot of joyful Christians in this world, in the, in the world that we're living in today, are there? And it's because we live in this conflict we are trying to hop between two sides. We're trying to please the world and stay in good stead with the Lord. We want to please the world and we just don't want to make God mad. Have you ever noticed that? That's where I was at one point. Uh, but anyway, the thing is, is that we've got to come to the place finally where we love him. Our desire is to please him. And then we start walking in the spirit. It's not hopping between two opinions. It's realizing that he has the best in store for us. Satan is trying to keep us in these other things over here because it denies us of the goodness of God. And so we wind up missing out on being at peace with God. We wind up missing out on not knowing the joy of not going to hell. It's a great and happy thing to realize. I mean, it was, it just overjoyed me when I realized that I didn't have to keep fighting to stay alive, that there was something better ahead for me. In fact, the good things that you experience from the Lord here, it says are just the first fruit of what we'll know in heaven. Now, a lot of you come from farming backgrounds and you know about first fruits. If you have tomatoes, there'll be one tomato that gets ripe before all the rest. And that first fruit will tell you what the whole crop's going to be like. And so it is with the goodness that we experience from the Lord. All these things are just the portent of the whole crop that's ahead for us. That should give us joy and it should keep us uh, walking in the spirit instead of wanting to give that sort of stuff up for a momentary seeming at the moment pleasure uh, here in this world. So uh, there's that and then there's the joy of knowing that we're just getting started. I love the fact that we sing when we've been there 10,000 years bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. We think if somebody lives to be a hundred, they've been around a long time. Well, we're going to be around a whole lot longer than that. Forever is a long time. And that's how long we can expect being around. We miss out on the ministry of Jesus. And I don't have time to go into that today. We'll go into that at another time. But we miss out on the fact, you remember, whenever people followed him, 
He ministered to them. As you follow him, he will minister to you. The one that really struck me this past week is in Isaiah where he says that he came to mend the brokenhearted. And I know that there's some of you who have had your hearts broken by different things in your lives. He wants to minister to you. He wants to heal your broken heart. And there's so many other things that he says he came to do. And he still ministers today the same way he did back then. But today, he specifically wanted to let you know that if you're brokenhearted, he wants to minister to your broken heart and heal it. Heal that broken heart. Let's bow our heads for a moment of prayer. Oh Lord, we thank you that you offer us so much that you offer us the opportunity to walk with you daily, that your presence is with us and that we can know your ministry in our lives. We can know your help. We can know your comfort. We can know your salvation. We can know those things, not just hope for them, but know them as we walk with you. Forgive us if we've had our eyes turned on the world instead of on you. Forgive us if we've been trying to uh, reconcile you to the world instead of trying to reconcile the world to you. Help us, O Lord, to walk in your Holy Spirit so that we can be those that truly are reconciling the world to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.